1: It's time for the unofficial 40 from
2: SoonerScoop.com. Featuring site publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian, along with videographer Eddie Radosovich. The Unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com.
1: All right, welcome back. It is once again The Unofficial 40 with your entire crew back. Eddie Radosevich, Josh McQuistion. Uh As uh, we are getting ready for the Senior Bowl, and that's kind of what's going on this week. And A lot of recruiting stuff, kind of finishing things up before uh, the final signing day, the, the actual national signing day, going on, waiting on. Uh, we've had some eyeball emojis this week. Uh, that uh, we've investigated, we've got uh, Baker Mayfield out there really practicing well in the Senior Bowl so far. Uh, he we finally figured this out. I was that on the podcast when last week when I talked about I was gonna I was going to uh, get after him for lifting for lifting like weights. No, for lifting like uh, you know the Seinfeld episode where the midget uh, is lifting and he gets called out oh, by the other oh. midgets. Yes, yes, yes. In the shoes.
0: Yes. Uh huh. Is he doing that? Well,
1: that's what my question was. Like, is he lifting? The, oh, because of what he uh, because like height? every time you saw him in a picture, like with Lamar Jackson or anybody else, he looked taller than everybody else. I got gotcha. you. And it turns out he's six feet three and eight inches tall. The
0: uh, the the biggest like bounty gate of all time, as far as uh, people coming after him and saying that he didn't want to be uh, weighed and. Measured, measured yeah. and everything.
1: He has bigger hands than Mason Rudolph, too. I I think we need to get Josh to weigh in on this. Hand <laughs> length. Uh, were you most surprised that, that Baker Mayfield had bigger hands than, than Mason Rudolph than the fact that he was six feet tall?
2: Legit. Yeah, I would say. I thought, I mean, guys, you've obviously spent a lot more time in Baker's presence. That's Tiffany was asking me about that yesterday. That's the weird part for me with Baker. He's the only quarterback in like 20 years that I haven't interviewed in person and been around and kind of had some experience with, I've never spoken to Baker Mayfield. So like it, it's just a weird kind of, you know, thing for me to see from afar, but I thought he would be around six foot. I thought that was probably pretty likely, but the hand size thing shocks me. I, I mean, maybe more from a perspective of, wow, Mason Rudolph has really small hands for, you know uh, that for a guy, his size. Everybody so, knows I mean, what that means. Hmm. To you know, to go from another Seinfeld, he he's the anti man hands. So
1: <laughs> Well it explains why he has trouble throwing the ball in the rain yeah. mean, two years ago. Yeah. Why Mike Gundy wasn't you know, throwing the ball down the field to James Washington, who has also been outstanding so far uh, in the practices that they've had. Now James Washington, and I know Josh he wasn't a big recruit, I the senior bowl to me has just proven that he has the weirdest body, I think, of
2: any stud athlete ever. He is one of those guys that, I mean, I've watched him for three years now, and I always feel like, what are, what are defenses doing here? Because, I mean, and he mentioned it in the very first interview he had with the NFL Network, he was like, I've got to work on my route tree. I've got to do all these things. Like, I don't really understand what makes James Washington so good other than he's fast. Like, he just runs he, past people. Yeah, like he's like the, you know, I heard him talking about the other day, like Willie Galt. You know, like the guy that could run like two routes, but he he's so fast and he's so good at those routes that he can have a role in the NFL. Like I, I don't know that he's a pure number one receiver. Ted Ginn's the same guy. Yeah, like it, it's that kind of deal. And I, it, it was just always amazing to me when I would watch Oklahoma State because every year it was the same thing. Him just catching verticals, him catching post routes. Like there was nothing, there was no more depth to it. And that's and I, wh- that's why fans went nuts
1: when, you know, you just let him run when when Parnell Motley just lets him run by him in Stillwater, because you know what he, he's not going to do much other than that.
2: Guys, you know, did you think I thought it was very interesting how. I don't want to say willing to throw Oklahoma State under the bus, but kind of did with yes. his like, yeah, I didn't do anything at Oklahoma State like that. It was and r- you're like, damn. I thought that was
0: okay. really interesting that he said that he wanted to work on his route tree and how they didn't really have multiple options at Oklahoma State. It, was- it,
1: it shows me that Oklahoma State's kind of adapted Baylor's offense to, to some extent, maybe yeah. more than we've talked about. Remember what
0: happened to Corey Coleman? Everybody that came out of yeah, Baylor—that's true. I mean, that's Katie true.
1: Cannon. He fell out. Of, did he even get drafted? Didn't he get, he, he fell out of draft I believe he went unsigned, yeah.
2: Right? Yeah, and, that's and, right. And, and it's then because, he spent like a day with the 49ers.
1: And it's because, I mean, well, he had character issues for one, but he didn't know what he was doing as a receiver. And like everybody, th- that that reputation started to happen where basically Baylor, what they do is they spread their, their receivers way out on the edges of the defense and compact everything to the middle of the field and they just let a guy that has unbelievable speed and athleticism get open.
0: Yeah. And not to down say... the field. It's interesting. I wonder how much OU uses that in recruiting as far as, Against like... Against them, yeah. yeah. like, we have a Blitnikoff, you know, Dennis Simmons or whoever goes into a house and says, we have a Blitnikoff, and we're going to get you ready for the NFL. Look at what D.D. Westbrook did this year.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Kind of interesting. But, no, that was one thing. You're right, Josh. I mean, that... Uh, I didn't give it as much of a, a a thought as you did, but I I was cutting up that audio this morning on the radio, and and the, he mentioned it in two different questions. He brought it back to the route trees.
2: It just like I said. I mean, I understand that he has to say it for his own well being, but there are ways he could have presented that that looked a little less like Oklahoma State didn't prepare me for the NFL. I
0: wonder has Aitman said anything as far as. I guess it would be even more interesting if he came out and was like, yeah, we run shitty
2: routes down there. Got to work on it. Well, I mean, it. I said it when we were going into that game this year that Oklahoma State took three years to figure out how to use Marcel Aitman. And I know he had some injuries and there was some other stuff going on, but they finally were like, oh, if we just throw it to the giant guy, if we throw it higher than the corner, he's going to win most of the time. Like, it's yeah. not rocket science. Yeah. So. No, he and was you've so got a, good got at, at a it. Quarterback that can make that throw. He was
1: so good at it. They would rather do that on fourth and one than than run a yeah. running back.
0: There's no doubt.
1: Well, it, I mean, Baker's been really good. Uh, you know, he he got there late, but then he did do the measurements. Eddie was, we were talking about this before. Uh, you know, everybody was trying to make it out like, oh, he's trying to avoid
0: getting measured. It was the weirdest. It was, weirdest, voice it, it was you know, the weirdest thing. Like. You could really see this, especially this week with so much national attention. Like, there are so many people that want Baker Mayfield to be Johnny Manziel, or like have that same type of because it's an easy take. It's, it's a it's a yeah, it's an easy national storyline, and especially the one guy from Cleveland that Baker ended up putting in a body bag. I thought that was pretty <laughs> funny. Uh, yeah. it was. It's just.
1: Because he was like, oh, shit, Cleveland might draft him. I better apologize fast. Yeah.
0: There, it, there's such, like, a national narrative, though, about Baker Mayfield, I feel like, that, I don't know, maybe I'm just so consumed with the other side of it because we've covered him and have been around him so much.
1: I've said this before about Baker, and I've, I've talked to Oboe about this before, too. Like, Baker, where Johnny Manziel, a lot of his energy went into, look at me, you know, look what I'm doing, look look – Look how good I am! Come see how good I look, you know, kind of a yeah. Burgundy thing. Like Baker's, all his energy has really gone into. I want to kick your ass. I want to win.
0: Yeah. I want to beat you. And well, that's pr-
1: basically. Like I don't think Johnny Manziel had that. I mean, I, I think Johnny Manziel played football to be a rock star. Right. And I think Baker Mayfield plays football to be the best at football. And he, cer- but he certainly does, a rock does
0: star day. because he plays football. Yeah. And he he knows how to play it up a little bit too, though. I I think that he doesn't mind that he is a rock star. At I'm the not same sure time. that oh, he's good. Sure. At,
1: I'm not sure that he's good at being
2: a rock star, though. Baker. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's well, hell. Neither was Johnny.
0: Well, but no, Johnny was great at it. I mean, Johnny was a functioning alcoholic slash drug addict. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. Ba- I mean, what I'm
1: talking about. Not to Baker's say that Baker like, doesn't
0: have a good time.
1: What I'm what I'm saying about Baker is like. I don't want to get in trouble with Baker here, but, like, you know, Instagram model, seriously?
0: You, you certainly don't...
1: I guess it's the kids these days that go after the Instagram models.
0: Yeah, I mean, congrats on the sex with the supermodel, though, for sure.
1: <laughs> She's an Instagram model. She wasn't a supermodel.
2: Or, yeah, Instagram model. I, I'd like it to be stated for the record Still that, by and hot large, hot. my experience with... Not experience with Instagram models, but looking <laughs> at Instagram models... I would take them over the, the supermodel. I'm not the supermodel guy. That that's not my that's not my lady. So I don't I don't I don't so need to have you're stars. The Instagram, Instagram models look over, like real girls.
1: Like Instagram over Victoria's Secret is what you're
2: saying. Yes. Yeah, like don't get me wrong, like Giselle is a beautiful woman. Like I, don't I can think see that it. She but is. That's She's not kind the kind of man-head. girl I'm into.
1: I always I just think Giselle is manish looking.
0: Everybody's playing for a second right now when you have Olivia Culpo running around. Who is Danny, she? With? Danny 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 and Am-
1: I can see him having fling. a super hot.
0: Oh my god.
1: Well if, if uh Edelman could ever settle down, he could have like I think they tried to I think they tried to hook him up with all kinds of secret of uh, Victoria's Secret models. And I think he did, but he just He never wanted to settle down. But yeah, I could see Amendola doing well.
2: It's gonna so, be tough to be set up with multiple Victoria's Secret models. That's a rough life to have to live. Yeah. Eddie's showing me a picture now.
1: I can I can't really see her face. It's buried in Danny Amendola's head.
0: Oh my god. She's not bad. Yeah. He's doing all right.
1: It's good. Again, it's no, like, good
2: she's to pretty, be re- but that's just not my deal. My very huh.
0: close friend Danny Amendola too.
1: It's it's <laughs> it's nice to be uh Tom Brady's one of his his relied upon receivers.
0: He has to be doing well off the field to be doing well on the field. Tom Brady has
2: always accepted
0: that.
1: Because Wes Welker wouldn't have ended up with the Hooters waitress, probably, if
2: he'd been around Tom longer. You read my mind. Like Wes must have not had not that, that relationship. His, not, that his wife
1: not that his wife isn't lovely, and I, I could not do that well. So I'll just state that for the record.
2: I like when people go on that attack. Well, you couldn't get her. Well, no, I couldn't get her. That doesn't (laughs) doesn't mean I can't judge you for what you got. I get to judge you. (laughs) So, anyway, Baker,
1: uh, it's Senior Day. It's going to be interesting today because Lincoln Riley is actually there, and he's going to be – this starts – we're going to finish up our podcast as it starts, but he's actually going to be live on NFL Network talking uh, as the North Squad practices, which is the squad that Baker's on. I just thought it was really interesting watching the highlights yesterday, because literally every time Baker drops back to throw the ball, like the
0: entire Denver Bron- Denver Broncos staff is just standing right there. It's going to be interesting. I how much? I mean, I guess he. There were so many people. I thought that, that were a little surprised that he was going to even go through the Senior Bowl experience. I I think it's. Why, though? He loves I know. to that's, compete. That's why I, I wasn't surprised. I don't think anybody was surprised. It's just the people that don't know him. Yeah. Or don't yeah.
1: get what makes him tick.
0: Yeah, that's true. I just... He has done really well. He, I would... Is it weird to say he's exceeded my expectations in three days of practice? Or two days of practice?
1: Well, I mean, he's just that guy. I mean, go go back to all that stuff we
0: talked about, you know, at he the Elite such 11. A, such a better ball, though, than everybody else. I mean, Josh Allen probably has a stronger arm. I don't yeah. think there's any doubt about that, but... He was hitting guys
2: yesterday and it was just like Yep, seen that before. Yeah. I mean the stuff down the field was excellent. Yeah. Josh Allen's the only thing I've seen that's like Ryan Mallet. Like, that arm is it's stupid the stuff he can do. Yeah. But did you guys see the videos? It's kinda circulated on the internet, I guess, since like yesterday afternoon. The
1: target practice?
2: Yes. <laughs> when he just whiffs on it hard and, you know, Baker just hit it like it was no it was thing. So but, bad, yeah. I you know, and that's the thing, like that's it's arm strength is you know you hear guys that do this you know whether they're in front offices or the the daniel jeremiah's and mike Mayox, like there's nothing probably in all of scouting that's more overrated than arm strength like like joe montana nobody on earth has ever talked about joe montana's arm strength or you know like john elway's that one guy that you're like holy crap he had a cannon and he was really good um but most of the guys are just really, yeah, like Dan really Marino. accurate.
1: Yeah, Dan Marino. Um, great arm strength. Great deep
2: ball. Just had it all. Yeah. No, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, like, there are plenty of guys that had good arm strength. But I'm talking about those guys that you're like, holy crap, he could throw it out of the stadium. There, there are very few of those guys. I mean, Tom Brady's got a good arm. It's not it's not on Elway's level. I mean, you know, that that's – or it's not on Josh Allen's level. But – he can put the ball literally anywhere he wants to in any scenario, and that's why he's special. That's why Peyton Manning was special, who probably had an average to slightly yeah. below average arm.
1: Drew Brees has a good arm, I would say Drew Brees' arm's no not that different
2: than Baker's, though. No, no, I, I, I You could make a pretty good case; it's better. Baker's is better.
0: There's been a lot. Um, of, there's been a lot of talk about Sean Payton really warming up to uh, Baker Mayfield throughout the week.
1: I did. Guys, I, we made a joke about this, but we were talking about the hand size thing. I don't know if this is true. I, it was just a tweet I saw, but I, I saw someone tweet saying that Sean Payton doesn't want a quarterback if he doesn't have a nine-inch hand.
0: Really? Yeah. Like that's a like that's
1: his jumping-off point.
0: What was Baker? What did Baker? Baker was uh, nine and a half. Oh, so he made the cut.
1: And then uh, Mason Rudolph was nine and the eighth.
0: That's
2: really weird. Which led know. to the big that's like joke. Arnie Small. That's really that's really Arnie that Small. Carny small. <laughs> Yeah, like he's he, he almost needs to be well, in like a show. If you're six five, yeah, I guess that's small. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like just as it relates to how big a person he is, because he's not just six five. That's a big dude. I mean, he's a big guy. So,
0: did you, you see him up in the booth with the with the NFL really Network crew, Siciliano? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he made, that was like that was like me standing up against like Hannes Pola or something. Yeah. It was it was very funny looking at. Bruce Feldman just tweeted out a pretty uh, glowing, uh, I guess, praise of Baker Mayfield from Louis Reddick. Uh, said that uh, when it comes time for 11 on 11, nobody does it as good as Baker Mayfield. He's been everything that's advertised. People are going to try and poke holes against the kid, but you'd be making a mistake to bang against this kid. So he's, he's done nothing he's but help himself. What he, you know what you, you hope to do when you go to something like this. And then I guess the the next hoop will be uh, jumping through is uh, the combines. When my favorite combine report is, he crushed the interview process. <laughs> he did really well in yeah. the interview process. Yeah.
2: Well, you guys, I mean, you'll have Pro no and Day before Dowdy that. Would. Yeah. Like you guys are around him all the time. Like Baker strikes me as a really sharp guy. That if if they can just sit there and talk with him, I think he's a totally different person than what they think he is.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. And it, I mean. I, I don't know, Eddie. Would you say that we've seen Baker like as natural as he is while yeah. he's been here? I think we've seen. I mean, I think there have been times when he's kind of put on the act, like when he said,
0: you know, he didn't know who Joey Galloway was. Yeah, I I think so. But you've seen the raw side of Baker, especially after like the Ohio State loss in 2015. Yeah, uh, yeah, or 2016 rather. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've seen every side of him. Seen the guy crying?
1: Yeah, I don't think there's a. I don't think there's a side of the guy. I don't think he's just like you know. It's the. It's too old of a reference, but the guy on uh, Leave It to Beaver, Eddie, Eddie Haskell, Eddie Haskell. There's not like an Eddie Haskell hiding in there. I don't think. I think he definitely
0: has an Eddie Haskell in him. Yeah, which
1: like Johnny Mantell might have been all Eddie Haskell.
0: Like there was a guy that tweeted yesterday. Some some report for the Miami Herald saying that you know, you draft Baker, he's a showsman. He's going to – what you see is what you get. Or, no, what he said he's a showman, and, you know, that's kind of the risk that you take if you're going to draft him, talking about if the Dolphins were to take him. I don't know if I agree with that as much as – I mean, he definitely has a entertainment side to him, I think. Yeah. But I think all good quarterbacks have a little bit of that in them. It's like what quarterback is isn't, isn't arrogant?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think say I've never met a good quarterback that wasn't pretty in love with himself. Right. Like I mean and it's not a bat like because you're gonna screw up and everybody's watching you. And every time you do something like, you know, I mean, Eddie, God, you're good buddies with Sam. Sam could do have a near perfect game, but you throw that late pick, that's all anybody's gonna talk about. Right. I mean, it won't matter that he was damn near perfect otherwise. And that's that's just the way that goes. And so I think it's almost like a corner where you've got to have a short memory and you've got to, you know, think I'm the best, I'll make the next throw.
1: Like well, I I don't, you know, when he goes to the combine, I don't there's nothing. And I would expect if if, you know, if he if they want him to throw at the combine, he'll throw at the combine. I don't think he'll be one of those guys that's like, oh no, I'm not." I mean, maybe his agents get to him and he has such an overwhelmingly good performance at the senior bowl, he's like, "Yeah, we don't need to do anything more." And, and you know, lifting I, quarterbacks when they don't lift, I don't care about that. I mean, I really don't care to know how many reps you know guys get. Or I think most quarterbacks just run the forty,
2: and Baker might just run the forty just to see what he can do it in. See, that's the only thing I would say, Baker don't run, don't because ru- we all know he can run and like he's known for that scrambling ability. But I think when you sit and put a clock on it, it's not going to be that impressive. Yeah. Like, he'll run 4.85, and everybody's going to like, oh, that wasn't what we thought it was. Ba- Baker's just really good at choosing his moments. He's a good open field runner. He's not a dynamic, you know, like Russell Wilson-like athlete. That's not what he is. I don't know. But he can pick up a first down if he needs to. What if he What if he did it and he ran a 4.5, though? Well, if it no, – I mean, like, don't get me wrong. If he's got that in the bag, then I'm just off. But I would – I'll be very surprised if he could break 4.75. There you go, Baker. Uh, there's Challenge motivation mm-hmm
0: hello haters all right <laughs> I, I, I put it on the board like you can't I, he'll keep building like people on the internet and stuff oh he's just building chips up keep building chips up it's like after you win the heisman i think you have to like turn all those chips in and you have to restart you have to start with a new foundation
1: oh he did it i mean just the thing that you saw with him holding up the phone of the guy that you know was questioning him. He's like, can't wait, like Matt Miller or somebody like that. He's like, can't wait to meet. Oh yeah, Matt Miller, yeah. making yeah. his words or something yeah. like that. I saw that. So he's yeah he's uh, trust me through the draft process. People are going to say so much. There's so many mock draft people. There's so many got podcasters in Cleveland like that dude that are just going to feed him and fuel him. He, you're right. I mean, he needs to let go of all the college crap, but. He, by the time the Combine is over with and draft There'll be new here, guys. oh my God, he is going to hold every slight and keep it in a little binder <laughs> for his entire career. He probably will. There, there's He's no like doubt about that.
2: Still quoting stuff from his draft grade. He could have a
1: Tom Brady-like career, and he'll still be holding on to that stuff.
0: That's what. That's what pushes guys. I mean, that's what makes really... I think that's kind of the difference between... Just a really good quarterback and obviously a guy that set a bunch of records like Baker did.
1: All right, moving from OU's old quarterback uh, to their possible new quarterback, Kyler Murray is going to play baseball. We found out today that the uh, Oklahoma Spring game is going to be April 14th at 1 o'clock, I believe. Yep. Uh, it's going to be the same weekend that it's going to be a, a big official recruiting weekend because remember now the junior— and we can we're gonna to get to this, but now the juniors can take official visits that weekend, right, Josh?
2: That is correct. One guy uh, that Oklahoma actually just offered recently, um, Cradell from the Los Angeles area, corner. He uh, he's already tweeted he will be taking his official visit that weekend.
1: So that's gonna be pretty big time. I mean, and that's gonna be something like you want to start talking about the fans and filling it up and being impressive. Uh, you know, trying to you know get you know close to eighty thousand to a spring game. I mean, it's never OU's never been that school that's done that. Like Ohio State does it, Nebraska does it, Alabama obviously does it. I wonder, like, if fans know, like, that you are going to be a huge official recruiting weekend for juniors, would they be more apt to show up?
0: I think it will be a humongous weekend in Norman because not only do you have the spring game, OU, OU plays Texas and baseball, softball plays in town. I OU, I think if they do it right, will uh, will really hype it up, and most important. It's not on Masters Weekend, which I which think we can before, all be thankful.
1: Which has been been your biggest bugaboo.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's been ridiculous that well, Master's being, Saturday is spent at an OU spring game.
1: With it being an official visit weekend, they probably don't want to have it on Masters Weekend now, because usually they could just go to the game, go home. Yeah, and that was it. They could go. I watch think Skull. they'll.
0: I think they will really hype it up, though, and especially with it being Lincoln's, I guess you know, quote unquote, first spring game. It will be, uh, it will be really hyped up. I,
1: I wonder, like, if Lincoln, because what Bob was, would do? I'm, I, I'm curious to know if the format will change. Because, like, what Bob had started doing was they would have the spring game, but then another week of practice. So they would use the spring yeah. game kind of as a teaching tool, and then have one last major scrimmage that you never really knew what happened in, because that would just be the end of of spring practice. But I wonder if that will be the finale now, because. That's, usually, that's a week later than it usually is.
0: Pulling up the uh, academic spring calendar. I don't even know when spring when break spring is. When spring break would
1: be. If that falls in the middle. Because, yeah, they would usually practice for a week, then take off for spring break, then come back, and have the spring game, and then have another two or three practices after that. So, but yeah, I mean, and, and you remember last year, and Kyler Murray is, is going to play baseball, how much he's going to
0: play, I think, still... Has Skip Johnson even broached that subject yet? No, we. I haven't been over to baseball yet, but <laughs> there's less than 30 days till opening day, so that is coming. And they'll have um, a media
1: day where I'm sure they'll yeah. have it's, it's more finalized. and. I,
0: I, th- it, I think that they'll probably... Spring break is March 17th through the 25th.
1: So that'll fall in the middle. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, it... It'll be interesting. I think that uh I think they'll probably end up doing the same thing that they did last year. And, and you know, I guess ironically, they'll be playing Texas in the same weekend again. If you remember last year he played Friday night, flew back Saturday on a private plane right. with Toby Rowland, played in the game on Saturday and then they flew back down on Sunday. So I imagine that would be the same and even with uh with the game here, I mean I don't think he'll probably go from the game on Saturday to Baseball on Saturday Because they are Right now they're scheduled For the same time But uh, I would imagine That he'll play Friday night and Or you know Be available to play Friday night and Sunday
1: See there were practices Last year though Where he just They had a baseball game And he wasn't at them
0: Yeah uh, Like, like a, there was a Tuesday night game At Wichita State That he didn't travel to
1: Like I don't I don't think you can do that Like I mean I think you have to be At every single practice now If you're Kyler Murray
0: Yeah no, No He didn't miss a practice I didn't think I think he missed a couple Did he? Yeah well, I know that he didn't travel to the with the team. Or, to you know a what? He missed the games.
1: first major scrimmage, I think it was.
0: For baseball? Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that they work it out this year to where he doesn't do that. And you know, I, I don't know. I would think he's gotta be on board with that. Like, you're battling for the starting quarterback job. I know
1: you wanna play baseball, maybe that's your future. But let's face it, playing baseball this year is not gonna determine whether or not he's gonna have a baseball career. I mean even if he continues to bat two hundred, he's still gonna get drafted again when the time comes, which will be this year, I guess.
0: I think this is a big this is a make or break year for him baseball wise because it you can't you
1: but can't But I gotta think people look at like Cody Thomas and say, Okay, look at his baseball production when he was a when he was trying to do both. Right. You really can't when they when it's a major division one program like this or FBS,
0: whatever it is now, uh you can't really judge a baseball prospect when he's trying to do both sports. No, it's tough. And, you know, it, when Cody did finally settle down and and get and into the group of baseball, baseball, he did really well in Bedlam. But and it then took a long time. Yeah. I mean,
1: it, it wasn't overnight for him. It, it, yeah. Like you said, it was Bedlam when he really started making those game-breaking hits. Yeah, and all of
0: a sudden he got drafted in the 12th round or 13th round, whatever it was, and said sayonara playing baseball for the Dodgers. But I, I just, I mean, to me,
1: there's no choice in that. You're either at every practice competing to win that job or you got you to gotta look at Austin Kendall.
0: Is it really that big of a deal for in spring football?
1: Starting quarterback, Eddie.
0: I know, but I, I just like, I don't understand the, the people that get so bent out of shape about it. I mean, what do you think, Josh?
2: Well, I mean, it was funny as soon as you said that, Eddie. All I could hear was Allen Iverson. We're talking about practice,
0: man. Yeah, but
2: in is it his more about just being the leader? That—that's to me what because I mean, that's the thing, guys. Like we talk about replacing Baker Mayfield and how great he was. You can't. I—I I don't think you can pay enough credit to what he meant to the team as a leader, as the guy they all look to when you know whenever whether it was on the field when something got tough, whenever it was, you know, whatever the case may be, there was no question who the number one guy that was the lead dog of that whole team was, was Baker. Now, I don't think it's realistic to expect Kyler Murray to be that guy, probably ever. It's That's not, not really, really his, his personality. personality, yeah. Exactly. But at the same time, for him to be like, well, I've, you know, guys, a quarterback, you have to be something of a leader. You just have to. Like, it's just implicit. And for him to be like, well, I'll be here at most of the practices, but you know, I got some baseball stuff going on. Like, I don't I don't know how you react to that after a guy like Baker. Like it'd be like the guy that replaces Nick Saban being pretty relaxed about summer workout. Let me ask you this, Eddie. Would you be okay if
1: he
0: goes back to the Cape Cod League again? Over the summer? Yeah. Probably not. Like if that's if, if he wins the quarterback job, you probably need to be around during the summer. Yeah,
2: I think that's I think that's more egregious, honestly. Right, I do too. Absolutely, because all those other guys were there voluntarily, and you're up in you know, the Northeast playing baseball and hitting 100,
1: trying to. And Charleston Rambo is a brand new receiver, and you haven't you really use yeah. you know C.D. Lamb a whole lot, and you got to get Grant Calcaterra, you know, more involved to replace Mark Andrews. I mean, there's a lot of things that you've got to do with your receivers that, you know, Baker spent two off seasons building. I yep. think
0: that there there probably will be a story there eventually about the Cape Cod League cuz I've heard from multiple people that he went up to the Cape Cod League and it was not the the, the experience well. that he thought it was going to be and the family that he it was like almost an eye-opening experience, and kind of made him grow up a little bit if you will did
1: i hear like you stay with a racist family or something i don't know if
0: it, no i i just think that they were like older and like you have a bedtime oh yeah you you know you're gonna clean your room you're gonna this isn't a vacation this you're here to work <laughs> and you have chores to do at the house it was almost a little bit like uh oh what's the uh summer catch summer catch yeah that but it plays all the time on
1: baseball but they, network but
0: they didn't go to the bar every night yeah with uh what with uh freddie prince jr and uh what who is it uh jt's
1: wife yeah uh, jessica biel
0: jessica biel yeah great movie though
1: did you russell wilson was in that movie was he really he was one of the baseball players really yeah i did not know that really i did not know that i'm pretty sure that's russell wilson that's on the bench with them I'm almost positive.
2: Are you talking about the sleeping pitcher guy that's always asleep? Yes, yes. I think. That's, there's no way that's Russell Wilson. Is that not Russell Wilson? Go
1: IMDB no. it, Eddie.
0: I am, I am.
1: Summer catch? It looks just like him, though.
0: He was in Entourage. That's his only actor credit. Oh,
1: okay. Well, it wasn't then. I swear, every time I see that and it's on Major League Baseball, <laughs> I was like, I swear to God, that's Russell Wilson.
2: Carry, are you one of those guys? Or do you make the no. bad look alike? No, it's not.
1: I don't. I'm good <laughs> At identifying black people, okay, I don't think that all black people look the same. But I'm uh, telling you, if you watch that and it comes on, look at that guy. He looks just like him.
0: I believe the man you're thinking of is Wilmer Valderrama. No,
1: no, no. I can tell Wil- Wilmer Valderrama. Yeah, different. It, I, I know the, it's like
2: he's like the closer. I think like and he pretty much just sleeps until the ninth inning. Yes. Like, and I, I know the dude you're talking about. He, I mean, he, he's a light skinned black guy. Um. Trying to look. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. His name. Like Eddie, he's like I've never seen him in anything else. Like he's not a name you're gonna recognize. Okay,
0: he's not even on the first yeah. twenty five. You need like the
1: full cast. Yeah, he's just a yeah. very random dude sitting on the bench. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, moving on. Shane Beamer uh, is officially hired at Oklahoma. Comes in from Georgia, where he's a special teams coordinator. Uh, you know, it was said that he's going to take over, and we can talk about the coaching situation here too, said he's going to take over tight ends and H-backs, which I find that interesting. You know, Kale Gundy would still be the inside receivers coach, but I just have to think, and we're going to talk to Beamer and Lincoln and uh, 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 Benny Wiley here, and it's Thursday. Tomorrow we're, get, we're getting a chance to talk to those guys. So it'll all figure itself out. We'll find out a lot more about it. But, you know, Eddie, you've heard Lincoln Riley talk about, you know, the three phases of three teams, or I can't even remember how he terms it, but, uh, you know, all three phases, talking about they've got to be good in all three phases. I just have to think that he comes out of this year thinking, you yeah, know, we weren't as good at special teams as, as we could have been. Their kickoff coverage, whenever they did have to cover, was bad. Yeah. They didn't have really any explosive plays in punt return. Uh they had probably better athletes than, than they showed in kickoff returns, even though they had good, a good ranking for most of the season because of a couple of you know, a couple by Jeff Bedett here or there. Uh, but they weren't overall, you never really thought, okay, here they go. They're returning a kickoff. Let's see what happens. It was mostly like, oh, Marcellus Sutton's going to return. He's going to run 15 yards and run into a wall.
0: It's not a good thing when you get excited or when the fans get excited because you return the ball to the 35.
1: Yeah. But I mean, block punch. We haven't seen anything like that in a long time. Uh, fakes, reverses, anything. I mean, just there's been no. And of course, Georgia blocks a kick to win, you
0: know, yeah. in overtime. Well, there's. I think there's a growing sentiment that there's they're just complacent. Just catch the ball, get it to the offense.
1: Well, let's face it. I mean, Bob kind of set that tone. No, he did by, by putting in guys that he didn't care. He he would rather just field the ball. Especially on punt return, it's like he had been so scarred
0: by the uh, the Mark Bradley fumble in the national championship game, uh, maybe, maybe that <laughs> that they're just like just catch the ball and we'll we'll take it from there. Yeah, let
1: our offense. Our offense it is, is it, it's,
0: it's funny though that that Lincoln Riley and it sounds like Joe Castiglione talked to some reporters after the Board of Regents meeting yesterday. Shane Beamer, it sounds like was if not one or of three names. He was it was a very short list that. Uh, Lincoln Riley gave Castiglione and said, this is the guy that I want or identified early. Uh I don't know how much of that is just, you know, Joe C talk, but it sounds like they, they knew that they wanted uh, Shane Beamer.
1: I will say this. Bravo to you, Joe Castiglione, because you paid for a 10th assistant and you didn't just go elevate some GA and pay him $200,000 a year. I mean, you went out and, and stole a guy away from Georgia and are paying what four fifty? What was that? What was the uh,
2: four and a quarter? I thought it was something. It's four yeah, and something like right that. Long. But
1: it's over four hundred thousand dollars for a tenth assistant. I mean, that's a big time hire. That's a big time commitment. Uh, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up is, you know, the, the whole Kel Gundy thing that's out there. Uh, Bruce Feldman was put it out there that he might be a candidate for the uh, offensive coordinator, or you know, or an offensive assistant at Arizona. Now the Noah Mazone thing has never been officially announced. So I don't know if there's any hangups there. Uh, If he wanted to, you know, stay, stay in Texas or go back out West. Maybe I don't know why there's a hangup there, but you know, the whole Kale Gundy thing I wrote about this, we talked about it in the Rose bowl. You know, he'd love to be a play caller. He knows that's not going to happen in Oklahoma. Uh, If he got a good offer somewhere at a good school, where he could be a play caller and a place where, you know, he has a good friend, in Kevin Sumlin. I definitely think that that's, you know, a, a situation where he could leave and, and take that job. Now, would he make a lateral move? I don't know. But I will say this. I think OU and Joe Leon are kind of learning that 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 scale, that pay scale is raising faster – than they were willing to recognize, especially with Jerry Schmidt. Of course, they bring in, uh, they're paying him a little bit more than they were paying Jerry Schmidt, which is probably just saying, hey, that's Big 12 territory. I mean, that's, we want to get you in line with you know, what Oklahoma State and Texas are doing, which I think is fair. Not so much Ohio State, Clemson, uh, who was the highest is Iowa, which is really strange.
0: I just don't think Ivan knows what they're doing with their athletic department. They just signed Fran uh They just McCaffrey had a good year. to an extended contract in basketball and they're like five games under five hundred, but they
1: had a good year last year. No, they did. I,
0: it's interesting. But I mean what I'm saying is
1: I do I think like Bill Beedenbo and Kale Gundy are two guys that would like you know, feel like they deserve a pay raise commensurate with what other people are making around the country that have their same jobs? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It it's gonna be interesting, and I was talking to a couple of buddies about this. Do you think assistant coaches with the way that the pay scale is going because you know you have assistants now making two million dollars will assistants start becoming just comfortable with being an assistant and making one and a half million as opposed to i think taking a a terrible head coaching job somewhere.
1: oh yeah i absolutely i mean not being you're talking about you're talking about you're paying assistants 1.7 million or or one point what is it uh uh, the guy at LSU now is the highest paid assistant at 1.8. Uh, Orlando,
2: I think at yeah. 1.8. Uh yeah, Rand is at
0: 1.8. No, uh Todd Orlando I thought just got 2 million from Texas. Did he? Okay. I thought so. Okay,
2: that was that was 2017, so it, uh, the the list I had and looked at before was just from last season. And what did Herb Hand get for leaving Auburn to go to
1: Texas? Does that come out? I don't yet? think it's
0: ever come out, but okay. I I thought that it was going to be, it was rumored that the race he got. Well, that's so what I middle. think
1: we're headed to uh, Josh. This is where I think we're headed to. I think we're headed toward offensive line and defensive line coaches becoming
2: $1 million a year coaches. If you're at the elite level, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, the, the, I don't think there's two positions that a, where there's talent, it's harder to come by. So you have to be a great recruiter and B it's harder to develop. I mean, especially in the offensive line, because People like to think like you just get five good, talented guys and it takes care of itself. There is so much inner working between those guys. I mean, I, I think we all know. I could talk line crap forever, and I, I won't. I won't do that. But it's so much more than just five good players. It's you know, the in
1: the trenches podcast with
2: Josh. Yeah, exactly. You know, like we could get into our pre-Ohio State where they're going to run seven offensive linemen out there, but I, <laughs> I won't do that. But like receiver, you've got four good receivers. They don't have to really know what the others do. Like, there's not that same level of a needed relationship. Offensive line, there has to be some camaraderie between those guys, and you have to make that work as a coach to kind of set that up and make that even more possible.
1: And you have to push those guys. I mean, we've seen we've seen great offensive line coaches at Oklahoma. Sure. Uh, we've seen uh, Mark Mangino. We've seen Kevin Wilson. We've seen uh, – now we're seeing Mark, or, uh, uh, Bill Bedenboe. And the thing about all of them that ties them together is that they are sons of bitches. Like, they are really tough on their players. And But you've got to also, Mark Mangino failed at this, and, and it cost him a head coaching job at Kansas. You've got to be able to kind of love them up, as they say. You've got to be able to beat the crap out of them, uh, tear them down, uh, but at the end of the day you've got to be able to build them back up and let them know that you care about them. Uh, and that's where Bill Biedenbo is so good. That's where Kevin Wilson kind of uh, you know, figured out how to stop losing guys. Because we've talked about this so many times. Like, oh, you once had a problem keeping offensive linemen on campus. Now they don't have that problem because Bill Biedenbow walks that line the way a great offensive line coach does, which he's a great recruiter, uh, he's a great developer, and he's great at relationships. And, it's, and I'd and say he, it's the same thing with defensive line coaches.
2: And I think he's also shown the ability – That if you work hard, if you'll put up with what I put you through, you've got a good chance to go to the NFL. I'm pushing guys to the NFL now. We've got, you know, you can claim, okay, now we've got a first-round offensive tackle. You know, as the years go by, Bobby Evans is going to be a first, second, third-round kind of guy. You know, you've got Cody Ford. You've got Ben Powers. I mean, those guys are all going to be NFL guys, and you keep doing that. Well, it's easier to stomach – Okay, he, he cussed me out in front of everybody today. I mean, not to put Bill out there like that, but just he rode me hard. But you know what? If I can do this, there, there's, a, you know, there's a silver bucket at the end of the rainbow. So
1: I think you messed up your metaphor there.
2: Why? I don't,
1: I don't want a silver bucket at the end of my no, rainbow. Oh,
2: you're right. It's gold.
1: You're right. I want the gold,
2: baby. Hey, you know, guys. I have been up since about three thirty this morning. So, you know, cut. I've been cut up, a little. Slack. I've been
1: up since four, and I know my metaphors. I've been up since whatever.
2: 10. You nap? <laughs> I get, there, there are no naps. I haven't in had house. a nap. I've been up since four. But you nap on a regular basis. This yes. has been a mini night deal with yeah, no naps that's in the middle.
1: True. Okay, I'm sorry.
2: You think this is over in like two weeks? You said. Uh, yeah, usually about because she she'll be six weeks on Friday usually about eight weeks you can start really training them on how to sleep and you start going through some of the things. And we've got kind of a formula we use with Laney, and we'll do that with Layla too. And it will be – it's hard. Like it sucks for a few weeks and then they start to kind of get it and then it gets better. And plus, it will also help because she'll in a couple of weeks she'll go back – she'll start going to school with Laney. So, she you know, like schedule. you get her out of the yeah. house and you can have – like if Tiffany needs to come home and take a nap, she can sleep for an hour and then we go get them. So there, there's ways to, you know, find a little time for yourself because right now, like she won't really sleep unless she's sleeping on someone or it's nighttime. That's the only two times she'll sleep. And so <laughs> you have to carry her around like I was, you know, emptying the dishwasher yesterday, holding a five week old. So that's yeah. a ton of fun. Do you
0: have like one of those uh, straps, like front side straps that you? It's a baby she Bjorn. sits in?
2: Yeah, yeah, we uh, Tiffany has one and it. I, I've never, like, I don't know. It feels weird to me to wear it. Like, I'm like, I can't get my head around this. Um, so, I like, I, I'm comfortable carrying her in any way. That's fine. But I, I never do the hands-free ones. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, something about her being right there, even though I hold her right there, I, I don't know why it's different, but I can't get my head around it. I, I'm against it for some reason.
1: Are you, okay, hold on. We're watching. We're just turning the TV here. Eddie, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get your look. Is your look... Boy she's hot or what a stupid
0: headline You gave me a head nod Oh no I was just Tiffany Blackman
1: Oh is that Tiffany Blackman yeah. I didn't even notice who that was
0: all, she's, okay. she's all over the NFL network I these may days. be
2: having black blindness yeah. <laughs> No it's <laughs> Tiffany She's all, she's, well, she's a star now Carrie I've yes, long excused Tiffany Because Tiffany can make well, some She's um, outside
1: w- in a toque and it's like 12 degrees She's all bundled <laughs> up I, If your hair
0: was out and stuff I could tell who that was She was bundled up you got to you got an out. Okay. No, I, I, I'm i a big... I swear, I can I tell Tiffany.
1: black people apart. I'm really good at it.
0: <laughs> We're going to have to get a, uh, a race lineup I'm card. I'm
2: good at it, I'm telling you. <laughs> See, but, like, Kerry, you can kind of get away with it. You grew up in Duncan, man. Like, I mean, like... Yeah, we had wh-
1: three. We had Clayton Franklin. We had uh, Yusef Sanders and... Uh, God, what's his name? He's on Facebook. I'm gonna get killed because I've talked to him recently. But we had three black guys in my class.
2: Yeah, I, there is something because Tiffany is terrible about it. Like, and there's Tiffany is as sweet and as good natured. There's nothing about nothing about it. Wayne that's Diggs. Wayne
1: Diggs. That's who the other she, black guy was.
2: She's just really bad at differentiating black people. I'm going to tell you, I thought I was... she owns that about herself.
1: I was was fearless on a football field until about ninth grade when uh, I was at linebacker, just killing everything in sight (laughs) until Clayton Franklin came in at running back who was probably in ninth grade, probably six foot three, 210 pounds. And my head met his knee... Uh, as he was trying to run through me because I was probably five foot in ninth grade. I might have been like five a 160, and that's the first time I ever got a concussion. I had to go sit over on pud row. Like, that was when, like, they made you go to pud. Go sit like, with all the losers yeah, like, that practice. you had to go sit. Like, if you got a concussion in practice, like... With they, they wouldn't even call them concussions. Just if you got knocked woozy and you couldn't go back into practice, they'd make you go over to Pudrow with all the losers that couldn't even couldn't even put on their shoulder pads correctly.
0: That were on the team and practice like four times a year. Yes,
1: exactly. What did they call it at your school?
0: Uh, we didn't even talk to those guys. I don't even know what they called them. <laughs>
1: But that was the only time I had to be on Pud Rose when Clayton Franklin. Uh, I met him in the hole, and I, I think there was the always that
0: that one time in high school football, or even maybe middle school for for guys that played in middle school. It's like it was that moment where it's like you realize you're I'm, not invincible anymore. Yeah, yeah, and like I'm probably not gonna have a future in this. Like there's <laughs> there are guys that are physically just bigger than me.
2: My, mine, I can honestly say it. I guess I had one in junior, or in like Little League when we played this team. We played a team from Tulsa. My little league team was actually really good. And so we played in all these state tournaments and kind of did some outside the state stuff. So Little League bowl but, games. Yeah, like like Eddie, a bunch of the guys went to North, like Zach Newby and yeah. some of those guys. Like I played with all those guys, uh, Jay Jensen, like some of those guys. My cousin. So yeah, yeah. So I grew up playing with a bunch of really good players and we went and like we always won, you know, in Oklahoma City. We won all the time. Like, we, we were just a better team. We go up to Tulsa to play this state championship game, and I can't remember what it was, you know, the state, like the Pee of Oklahoma. I didn't know what it was. So we go up there, and we're like, we're going to kick these guys' ass, too. This is going to be fine. And the opening play of the game, I'm on kick return, and I'm dropping back in uh, to set up, you know, basically a, at that point a wedge, you know, when you could still do that in football. And <laughs> this kid comes up, and I mean, he's probably up to about my – like chest bone like he's right there at my sternum that dude hit me so hard like I, I never saw him coming out like, this little dude I'm gonna crush him he knocked me on my ass and we find out after the game Tulsa played it differently It wasn't according to your age it was according to what grade you were in so some of these kids like I'm like 11 and these kids some of them were like 13 or 14 they've been held back or whatever and they beat the piss out of us. So, <laughs> it, we were we I mean like we never like we never played games like the whole four quarters. Like it was usually over by halftime or third quarter. Our, our head coach ran our league. So we got all the best players from our league. Like it was dirty and foul, but we were always really good and so we had no idea how to deal with that. Like and they just beat the crap out of us. My other story is Jamal Brown beat me up and down the field in junior high. So that was uh, that was my other wake up call that football was probably not my future.
1: Happens to the best of us.
2: Yeah, and that's yeah. how three white guys got to hear <laughs> <laughs> tales of three white ex players. Uh,
1: all right, uh, I want to get back to Shane Beamer for just a second, but uh, look, I, it's kind of been made out like he's going to work with Jay Bulwer, but I would I would expect a.
0: Wouldn't you guys expect a big part of what he's doing is special teams at Oklahoma? When when you bring in a guy with that much of a background in special teams, who is the son of like maybe the Frank god Beamer, the yeah. godfather of yeah. special teams, I have to think that it is a signal of of something. To the and I think Frank
1: kind of him kinda, him taking over. I think Frank kind of has that Bob Stoops job at Virginia Tech, where he's like a special mm-hmm. I- assistant. Oh, to I the bet Frank Beamer stops director. through Norman a couple but times. What I, yeah, what I'm saying is, you know, I'm assuming that he and the wife maybe have some kids. Maybe Frank comes. Yeah, they, down got, to they have three kids. Come down to uh, see the grandbabies mm-hmm. and spend some time around the uh, Switzer Center. Maybe saying, "Hey, we should do this on special
0: teams." I bet there is a hundred percent chance of that happening.
2: So probably your your not last name is a verb in special teams play. Yeah, Beamer ball is a thing. Like, yeah. I mean that, that. And I mean it's and it's valid. Like they were great on special teams for twenty years. So, to me, it would be just such a monumental waste if he isn't. Because I know Jay Bowler has a background in it too, and that's fine. But have the special teams been anything special since Jay arrived? Like I, the running back play's been fine. It's not that Jay's not pulling his weight. It's just I don't know. It's that been you can solid. say that there, there yeah. isn't a need for a look at something else.
1: It's been solid, but it hasn't been anywhere yeah. near exceptional.
0: It, it's kind of beating a dead horse. But I think, you know, especially after the Rose Bowl and you saw Seibert the way that, you know, a couple punts weren't weren't very good in the second half. It'll be interesting if they try to go back in and take him and at least eliminate a couple of duties. I mean, he was so good at kickoff this year. I think he might have led the country in touchbacks. But at the same time... I don't know. It just feels Funny like there's is a lot. Georgia had
1: a guy that was just as good. Yeah, even on kickoffs.
0: If they can go recruit a four-eyed freak like, uh, like the kid from Georgia, I forget his name, but he was really good. Like
1: Gonzalez, Ruben Gonzalez, I don't know. Something like Something that. Something like that. Uh, okay, so press conference will happen tomorrow. We'll get to talk to Shane Beamer. We'll get to talk to Benny Wiley for the first time. Get to talk to Lincoln Riley about these hires. Uh, but you know, Benny Wiley comes in, takes over. Uh, he is uh you know his his salary has been thrown out there getting paid you know along on in line with the Oklahoma State and Rob glass and Texas and their guy uh Kendrick or something anyway um but I mean that's to me like I said I think it's it's just as much about relating to the players making sure that guys you know feel connected to the program in the off season that guys just don't leave uh maybe things like Abdul Adams don't happen because i don't know Josh if you got a chance to read that article from his was his father and his high school coach but i just i always thought that Abdul got kind of screwed over and that article basically said that yeah
2: he felt like he did get screwed over and that's why he left you know i i can get there to a point like i understand that i mean you know they kind of said well it wasn't ruled a fumble so against Oklahoma state come on you got to be able to count on him hold on to that ball like there was a i mean and they said well he only got 11 touches in any given game well he had a couple of fumbles like so you're kind of almost hurting your argument that he didn't get the ball many times he still had a problem hanging on to the ball and the bigger part is okay we all saw what rodney anderson became toward the end of the year so as adams's time started to dwindle and anderson started to grow what about i mean guys we all know, anybody listening to this pod knows, I was a big Abdul Adams guy. You cannot convince even me that you want to take a single carry away from Rodney Anderson in the second half of last year.
1: No, but there were plenty of times before that Kansas State game, maybe Texas namely being one where they just didn't use... And, and Abdul Adams had the ankle injury, which kind of hurt. Maybe if he doesn't have that ankle injury... Maybe he does become a bigger factor and kind of solidifies that job, and maybe Rodney Anderson never really even emerges this year.
0: There were a lot of things that went in to, you know, I I think that obviously the Ohio State fumble, but you know, he wasn't even he didn't even dress out for the Texas game, so I there were it was
1: Iowa State and then Texas, right? There were a lot of things that went
0: into that, but I think you could say that I don't know. I think he probably has good reason to feel screwed, but at the same time. This is kind of getting to the point, you know, especially... And and not to say that Abdul was processed, because he definitely wasn't. But I think this that's the type of attitude this program needs to take on a little bit. of A little more cutthroat? Yeah, a little bit. It needs to stop being so... Bet- Trey Sermon had so a fumble, friendly. and they didn't, you know, yank him. Well, he, He's better than Abdul. I think, just flat out. I don't think that was the case. And I, I don't
1: think in certain situations that's the case. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm on record as saying... Trey,
2: Trey Sermon at times is too patient. Yeah, yeah, he can be a little choosy. Guys, I I want to come back to that, but I, we were talking about O line and D line and the importance of it, and somebody just tweeted out a stat, and I thought we could just kind of put a period on that. Clemson next year will have fifteen four star defensive line defensive linemen on their roster. Jesus, OU has five. Like I mean, that,
0: I don't even understand how you can get fourteen defensive linemen in a program at one time
2: i i know i'm well i mean don't get me wrong they run a little bit di- like and i kind of did that that's purely with OU running their three scheme so if you mm-hmm. wanted to add like jalen redmond and addison gums mark jackson like, okay, okay so the number's to up to eight. nine yeah eight. yeah yeah so then you're then you're halfway to what clemson's done like and what clemson's done is just ridiculous because of what they have returning they landed two more five stars this year including xavier thomas who's just a freak um but yeah so i mean Again, we'll go back to Abdul Adams, but I just saw that and I was like, holy crap, that's just and that's why if you have elite defensive line coaches, you get you need to pay them big, big money.
1: Yeah, well let's let's talk about uh, let's let's move on to recruiting a little bit. Yeah uh, sorry sorry I No 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 that's a great segue because uh, defensive line is something that Oklahoma is really focused on here down the stretch, at least for twenty eighteen. Uh, twenty nineteen, I know they're already kind of trying to jump start that a little bit. Uh, but Josh, it, it, there were some eyeball emojis out I mean, we're sitting here waiting on Leon O'Neal Which doesn't look pr- you know, particularly promising for Oklahoma Coming off a Clemson visit And then he's going to make his announcement But uh, let's talk about what's left down the stretch here And obviously Michael Thompson took a recent visit uh, to Oklahoma But uh, defensive line-wise uh, you know, What's Oklahoma looking at finishing? I know we got a uh, uh, Jomo in there too
2: and he's taking really, the to me, those are the two primaries. You've got Michael Thompson, the defensive lineman from St. Louis, uh, came in for an official visit last weekend. I I was kind of on the fence. Like I could understand why Oklahoma could make a move with him, uh, having you know some regionality. It's not like USC that he'd looked at before or Alabama that's a long ways from home. It, it's still pretty regional to St. Louis. So I thought maybe oh, OU could make a run. Plus everybody's kind of had him leaning toward Missouri. So he can go to Missouri, and he'll be the man, and you know, it's a big deal for him to be in state. But, A, Missouri's never done that well in St. Louis. That's kind of been an issue for them, kind of like Houston was for a very long time for Texas. They, they just never could seem to really make inroads in that area. And I know Missouri really tried this year, but you know, you look at Adeli going to Texas, Ronnie Perkins going to Oklahoma, Cameron Babb going to Ohio State. They really struck out to a large degree. So... I think that's kind of been interesting to watch from what I can gather. I think Oklahoma is in really good shape here. I, there is a lot of time for things to change. Obviously we're just under two weeks until signing days here. He'll announce on signing day, which he he put out earlier this week. He's expected to announce a top two at some point this week. I think everybody expects that to be Oklahoma and Missouri. Um, and he'll announce at his school on signing day. I, there are things that can change. There are things that can happen. If I'm picking right now, I would pick Oklahoma for him. Now, on the flip side, you've got Moro Ojomo from Katy, Texas, who is going to go to Texas this weekend and then is expected to go to Oregon on the final visit weekend. I, I think it's Oklahoma and Texas for him right now. I think Texas is probably a little bit out in front. I know talking to some people at Notre Dame, that was kind of the impression they got that, oh, I like Notre Dame, but I think I'm going to stay closer to home and that Texas might just have a little bit of edge between OU and Texas. A&M's kind of fallen off with him a little bit. I'm not exactly sure why, but it just seems like that's kind of faded a little bit. Kind
1: of hurts when you lose your defensive line coach, too.
2: It doesn't help. You know, uh, now, well, (laughs) now that started even before the Jerry Montgomery chaos. But, yeah, so, I mean, that's – it just seems like OU-Texas. I think OU does still have a shot here. I think – Probably next week, they'll go in and do their in. I, 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 in fact, I'm almost certain that Lincoln Riley would then do his in home next week After with his Jomo and Texas. try to make that final push. So that's kind of the thing to watch. Um, but I mean, we can go over to some other positions Let, me, let me ask you on Michael Thompson. Let, yeah,
1: let me on. ask you on Michael Thompson because, I mean, obviously, things change with a kid in his last semester when he knows, okay, this is getting down to nut cutting time. Uh, my grades haven't been the best. Uh, A lot of times those kids can meet with counselors, meet with principals, meet with, you know, the school uh, and and try and find some type of a track that can allow a kid to get eligible or or to, you know, what he can do, uh, you know, maybe go back and make things up. But is is there have you heard anything positive, negative in in terms of his uh, academics and in any ground he could make up?
2: Everybody I talk to makes it sound like his first semester of his senior year must have gone very well because there is a total turn of how people are talking about him. And don't get me wrong, it's still close. He's going to have to do well this semester. He's going to have to you know, pass all his classes, probably has to hit a certain GPA point. I won't pretend that I know the exact numbers in it. But the expectation from what I gather now is that he will qualify. And I think that's why wow. you've seen this huge run on him as of late which Oklahoma really led, and I think that was that's why Oklahoma is where they are because they, I think, almost immediately after returning from the Rose Bowl, they sat down and realized, okay, we we need to make we need to add some sides, we need to get some more bodies up front, and they thought he was the best available lineman to help them. They went after him, and are like I said, in good shape to land him. So, and that's a guy. I mean, you know, you kind of wonder, did they? did they gain from Devonta Lambkin leaving? I mean, because they still have Overton. They still have Fahmatu, two guys that are workable players. They're not Lambkins upside, but frankly, Overton's a much steadier guy than Lambkin ever was. So, And they get to sign this young guy who's going to basically take Lampkin's spot if they can get him. So, I, I, like I said, it's not certain. But I think from a guy that probably... Even back in December, I think most people were giving him about a 30% chance to sign. Now it's probably more like 65 or 70% that he uh, – not sign, but to qualify. And I think that's about where it is now, somewhere between 60 and 70%. So there is a lot of optimism that he's going to be able to get in at whatever school he chooses.
1: All right. Uh, one of the names that's out there, it could – by the time people listen to this podcast, it could be decided. But uh, Leon O'Neill, uh, back from a Clemson visit, says – uh, his, you know, his trainers or whatever you want to call his people, seven v seven fast, whatever. Uh, they said turn on notifications for Leon's announcement, and then nothing ever happened last night. Uh, where do you think things sit with Leon O'Neill as we do this podcast here on a Thursday mid afternoon? Well,
2: <laughs> to be. <laughs> To be fair to them, they then deleted that tweet a little bit later. Did they really? I didn't even notice it. Uh, So that was the thing. I didn't even notice it. I quoted it and kind of said, hey, this is what's happening, explaining what their tweet meant. And then about five minutes later, every time I would see a retweet, it said, tweet not available. So it became clear they deleted it and went back and looked for it, and I couldn't find it. So they never explained it. There was never any answer to what happened. From what I can gather, Leon... Whether you want to call it a silent commitment, I I think everybody knows I kind of hate that term. But if that's what you want to call it, that's fine. He gave a silent commitment to Clemson over the weekend. Came back, was probably going to make it public, announce, and then from what I can gather, A&M caught wind of it and tried to stop it before it went public. Uh, There was a picture that showed up with uh, Tim Brewster, one A&M's new assistant, showing up meeting with his 7-on-7 coach, who is a very big factor for you know, whatever reason, God, I'll try to steer clear of my haughty derision over that. Um, Somebody
1: call the FBI, that's all I'm saying. Yeah,
2: that has a big role in, in his decision-making process for some reason, and I think God in his ear to slow things down and to give A&M a little more time and to kind of work some things out. So I, I think Clemson is definitely the bet right now. A&M's trying to ter- turn things around. But for me, I mean, talking to some of the people I've talked to, I don't think, I don't think Oklahoma is really even that concerned about it at this point. I think they know that they're a long shot. They're they're going to keep, you know, recruiting him until they know that they're not going to get him. But I think they are. I mean, until he commits somewhere else. But I think they're pretty realistic that it's unlikely he's going to pick Oklahoma at this point. One
0: of the more interesting, uh, I think. Storylines coming out of Oklahoma's first junior day Was the offer to Braden Willis, Josh uh, Arlington Martin, 6'4", 210, tight end, H-back Somewhere along those lines uh, What can you tell us about initially just the offer uh, Going so out so late to a 2018 kid And uh, what can you tell us about uh, Braden Willis Because I, I think there for a minute we were uh, kind of having to decide or decipher Was this a preferred walk-on or was this actually a offer given
2: out? And just in case there's anyone who's not, you know, obviously on the site, hey, go sign up now. You'd know this a week ago. But it's, it's, it's a legitimate offer. This, this happened. This is a real thing. I think what it comes down to, guys, and it's stuff that we've heard, I mean, one is obvious. The fact that Grant Calcaterra is the only pure tight end in the Mark Andrews mold currently on the roster. That's, that's a lot of fire to play with. I mean, that's really – and then you add in – that the position group that's kind of, you know, locked at the hip with it is H-back. They only return Jeremiah Hall. And, I I mean, Carson Meyer fills in somewhere in both of those roles. Right. And, guys, we all know that the buzz we hear on Jeremiah Hall is not glowing right now. I I don't know how you would term that. I don't know how seriously to take it at this point because he's so young and it's so early. But I think everyone just thought he was going to plug in and be the next Dimitri Flowers and – there is some pretty strong indication that's not the case. Yeah, so, I don't
1: think we're talking about we're not talking about the same lineage of uh go all the way back to I mean I didn't even know J D. Reynolds you have to go back that far, but definitely Trey Millard, uh yeah. you know, Dimitri Dimitri Flowers just became an incredible player at that. I mean, he redefined that position. He Oklahoma. was
0: underappreciated, I think, yeah. just as far as how much he did and how early he did it. And I mean, how, he, it was how big a, he was in huge games, huge it, moments. Yeah, he, he was a constant at that position, and you knew exactly what you were getting from him. I mean, you, think, you go back to that, that first win at Baylor when Oklahoma
1: won their first Big 12 championship, the year they went to the CFP for the first time. Yeah. That touchdown he had. Yeah. I mean... He became known for those type of plays throughout his career. Ohio State, I mean, the first touchdown against Ohio State, just he became such a weapon. And I can see why, you know, Lincoln Riley's committed to having a coach that comes in here that coaches tackles and H-backs or or tight ends and H-backs now because he realizes the value of that uh, that position to his offense now.
2: I think, other than Baker Mayfield, I mean, clearly Baker's going to be the toughest guy to replace. I think he's the second toughest guy on that roster to replace. Because of all the ways he made OU's offense better, they could—I mean, you could put him out there, and you could literally do anything. You could run power formations with him. He could be a flex tight end. He could be a H—I mean, like there was literally most H-back, fullback types when they're on the field, you kind of know what the offense wants to do. There was no dictation from him. Like you could do anything you yeah. wanted to do within your offense with him on the field. He could block. He could run. He could catch he could be a tight end receiver yeah
0: Baker just
1: handed off to him at the first uh, senior bowl practice it's going to be interesting to see
0: kind of he's one of the guys that you really haven't heard a whole lot about from Mobile and I I don't think very many fullbacks and tight ends you hear about what they're doing or what they're up to but it's going to be interesting to see kind of where the NFL projects him because I think there is a spot in the NFL for a guy like a Dimitri Flowers for sure
2: Oh, I think if he finds the right offense, he's a ten-year guy. Yeah, I, I mean, think, like he'll be there a long time. You know, if but he's, he's like got to find the right role—Seattle or
1: somewhere like that—that that can be pr- pretty inventive with an offense.
2: Yep, he'd be huge. i imagine him. I mean, same deal, playing off the fakes of a guy like Russell Wilson. You know, doing that same RPO stuff that Baker's done with him forever, and having—you know, like I said, Baker's a good runner, but having a guy like Russell where the defense has to respect that fake so hard. Dimitri is going to run through the you know secondary open more than once, so that that makes a lot of sense.
1: All right, Josh, uh, the first junior day. I know it wasn't the the you know superstar gala, uh, but there were some big names that came in. Uh, there's going to be another junior day, which I know you guys have been pointing to could be a, a huge junior day for them. But what did what did we learn coming out of that first junior day?
2: Well, you know, it wasn't the big news day that I think maybe some of us had thought it might be. Uh, it kind of lost a little steam when Garrett Wilson, the, uh, the wide receiver from Lake Travis, same high school as Baker Mayfield, uh, actually ended up canceling the night before, not canceling, but he kind of announced that he wasn't coming the night before. And he almost immediately kind of coinciding. He talked about picking up an offer from Oklahoma. So clearly Oklahoma was going to offer him when he got to campus, realized they couldn't wait until the February junior day. So they went ahead and made that offer. The only guy that did pick up an offer was Stacey Wilkins from Camden, Arkansas, a 6'7", 260, 270-pound offensive tackle that, you know, from I've never seen him in person, but talking to people that I know and that kind of knew Orlando Brown and knew Adrian Ely, they're like, man, he fits perfectly into Bill Biedenboe's type of offensive tackle. So, I mean, it's really, he's a natural fit now. Obviously, recruiting guys out of Arkansas is always going to be really tough. Uh, just, just because Arkansas, there's it's it's the same situation as Oklahoma. There are such a small talent pool. They really work hard to make sure those guys that are at their level they land. And also, you know, it's an SEC state. There, there's always that kind of you have to fight against that idea that well, you know, the SEC is better even if we're going to play at Arkansas against Oklahoma. So, I'm, I've but, never I've never understood
0: how the argument against that just has to be do you want to play for a competitive school
2: i i you know and that's one of those things like eddie like we talked about michael thompson earlier like do you want to go to missouri and hope that you're going to be you know uh, what best case maybe compete for an sec west title yeah i mean maybe and you know with the way george is going now i think those days may be over but with that said I, i do think that chad morris they'll at least get to a
0: bowl game they'll Maybe get back to winning seven games a year. So,
2: oh, Chad Morris is a good coach, we'll and I mean, Arkansas not a bad school or anything, but it's, they're, uh, it's a fun. They're school. never going to consistently compete on Oklahoma's level. Right. It's just not going to happen.
0: It's a fun school too. I've heard great things about Fayetteville, and that has Everybody, nothing I, to I do. That. We, could yeah. know, we could
2: inject jokes about you know that, Oklahoma, like in yeah, that has nothing to do Baker with Mayfield, uh, with right. Baker Mayfield's <laughs>
0: experience. I, I have heard that it is an extremely <laughs> awesome place to go.
1: All right, so I mean, coaches, Josh. I was kind of thinking about this the other day. You know, coaches are out and about, and the fact that they have so much of this class put together, you see so many new offers going out right now. It really is. Is this is this kind of turned into more of a uh, setup? Not not just trying to finish off the 2018 class, but almost out there, kind of putting their first step forward to try and get guys that now that juniors can visit, get those guys. Uh, knowing them a little bit, so they want to come to Oklahoma and have a, a,
2: a what is it, a April to June visit period. It's real. I mean, to me, that's exactly what this is, and that's you know, I had somebody ask me, well, why is Oklahoma making so many offers at defensive back and that kind of thing? Well, a, that's just kind of policy. But you look at all around. I mean, there are a bunch of offers out, and you know, Lincoln Riley hitting the road the last few weeks. You know, he went to Virginia. Well. Oh, you did not have any 2018 guys in Virginia. He went to see Devin Ford, the five-star running back. He went to see uh, Cameron Kelly, the kind of wide receiver corner kid that I think they like at DB. Uh, so there is a, excuse me, a clear flavor of 2019 even at the very top of Oklahoma. I mean, they are they're certainly hitting up the key guys. You know, like I, we'll get into you know maybe some Tank Jenkins talk here in a little bit. Who is another guy that. I think maybe could have a decision by the time some people hear this podcast. So well, there's a lot still to work on in 2018, but there's no question. They are recognizing that 2019 is going to be very interesting because it's just like the early signing period. Well, now we've got to figure out how the recruits are going to handle this early visit period. Are they going to use all five of them in the spring? I mean, are they going to kind of go crazy? Or are they going to say, well, I'd like to see it on a game weekend. I'd like to wait a little while. I don't want to have all my officials done. And then you know have to wait until December to sign and not be able to really take any new information. There's a lot of ways that can go, and I think the, And for the coaches' side of it, do we bring this guy in in April or June, and then by the time he decides in December, we've lost all our momentum. You know, th- so there's so many ways to kind of look at that, and I think that's going to be really interesting to see. But yeah, I mean, I somebody asked me the other day kind of to put a, a bottom, a basement on how many official visitors to expect for that spring game, if there's less than five or six, I'd be very surprised. I think Oklahoma will probably bring in seven, eight, nine and really make a big deal out of it and hope they can get some big push in the spring, maybe get up to 10, 12 commitments and then really start zeroing in as the summer and fall goes on under those guys that they want to finish this class out. And this class will be a smaller one, so it'll probably at that point be six or seven guys that they're really still trying to land.
1: Let me ask you, uh, Beamer has been a recruiting coordinator before. What do you think he brings to the staff as a recruiter?
2: Well, you know, there is—it's an interesting deal, because I immediately hit up some of my Georgia people, and they kind of acted like, oh, you know, he's okay, you know, he's not a—they didn't act like he was one of the superstars of the staff, but he did land Luke Ford, who was the number one tight end in the country, and the kid— when the news broke about Beamer, he actually just tweeted out, wow, you know, like you could tell he was upset about it. You know, he wished Beamer luck after the fact, but initially you could tell it bothered him that the guy was going somewhere else. And you look through his list of other players he's been involved with. I mean, you're talking about Zamir white, the number one running, or excuse me, number one or number two running back in the country kid from North Carolina. Uh, A lot of the premier guys that Georgia was in on Beamer had some role in. And so that, that's meaningful. I mean, that can open up some doors. I think it's interesting. Like I just mentioned, Lincoln Riley going to Virginia. Well, you think Beamer doesn't have some pull in Virginia? You know, go to Virginia Beach and all that talent out there, you know, Roanoke. You start going through those areas, you you might be able to open up some doors that maybe you haven't been able to before and start having these Atlantic guys maybe work out a little better than Abdul Adams or, uh, oh God, I had another one on the tip of my tongue and I've now forgot, Ricky DeBerry. You know, where Oklahoma's landed some guys out there, but maybe they haven't turned out like they wanted them to.
1: I think it's interesting, as I'm sitting here watching highlights, that, like, Baker is kind of attached to to what's-his-name's hip. Uh, Josh is Josh Allen?
2: Yeah, there's no way that's an accident.
1: Yeah, like, you, they're str- he's stretching right next to him. Mm-hmm. They're
2: throwing together. They're taking reps back-to-back. You... You almost wonder if both of them wanted it that way. Like Josh Allen can stand next I bet to Baker, Josh and like, Allen Look doesn't at
1: me doesn't want it that way now.
2: <laughs> no, no. As done. as things are starting to progress, you're right. But you know, people are going to be like, okay, we could have that six foot five, and his hands are like ten and a half, like yeah, some huge, huge number. Hands, yeah. Like he's exactly what they physically draw up to be a quarterback. And then they're and he's like, you could have me, or you can have Baker. But then they watch him start throwing the ball, and while Allen, like we said, is going to make a few throws that just you know, drop your jaw, at the same time, Baker is consistently just going to be right where it needs to be and right on time over and over and over again.
1: I should say congratulations to Eddie Radosovich. He got retweeted by Lincoln Riley yesterday. We
0: are now best friends. Uh, and then the Masters thing happened. Where... He knows.
2: He's been listening. <laughs> Lincoln knows. How much time do you think Lincoln spends a week listening to the pod? I think it's got uh, two be hours. At least half of it, yeah. yeah two hours.
0: Well, what did he tweet
1: out? Uh, he tweeted out Oklahoma to Tennessee to West Virginia to Massachusetts, New Jersey, Virginia, North Carolina, Florida, Mississippi, Alabama, and then to OK. So he's got time to kill.
0: He's been uh, he's been Lincoln, he's been racking you, up the miles.
1: If you're listening to this pod tonight, like when you're traveling home, give us like an emoji. Give us like a weird emoji. Like throw a, an emoji out there that like nobody, everybody's like, what the hell is that? Like I'm trying to go and pick one right now.
0: And you have an open invite to come join anytime you want.
1: Uh, go ahead, Josh. No, I'm trying to think of the Something right emoji. I, my emoji
2: game is so weak, though, that I probably should just steer out of this Send completely. out the dick pickle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. He's not going to do that. There's no way he's doing that.
2: That would be legendary. That That would be... Like, he, he could just quit Twitter at that point.
1: Rapper 50 Cent confirms he accidentally made around $8 million in Bitcoin.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: He accidentally
1: made.
0: He was one of the first rappers to accept you Bitcoin. You know what? I
1: know a guy that bought a bunch of Bitcoin because he wanted to gamble offshore, and that was the only way that you could do it. And he, ha- he it just kept going up and up and up, so he just kept it.
2: I saw something the other day that if, like, in, I think, I want to say it was, like, late November. If you'd have had, like, a $1,000 investment in Bitcoin now, it'd be, like, worth 110000 or some crazy thing like that. It's
0: insane. I just don't understand it. I, I don't, it's crypto-currency. I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't understand any of it, though.
1: It's currency that no one can track.
0: Or trace. And it's, but it's currency that, how can I ever, like, the world will have to start using Bitcoin before I could cash in, right?
1: No, I mean, you could cash... You, you How do you cash, cash out?
0: Could you cash out right now?
1: I think so, yeah. And get
0: cash? I you just think, have to find well, someone people willing will to buy will buy it. your
1: Bitcoin from you.
0: And, yep, for, oh, in real cash? Like, especially right now, yeah. You just have to find somebody dumber than you.
2: I wouldn't <laughs> say that that's necessarily the case. I mean, there. There was a guy that's in it that was actually became richer than, uh, uh, like, Zuckerberg the other day. Like he, there was a Bitcoin guy that for like an hour was the richest man on the earth because it it shot up. It went so crazy for a little. There was a little bitty run. Like it may, I say, we. It may have been like a month ago, but like I was reading an article about this and something the other day, and it was it's just crazy some of the numbers that are being put up. I just don't understand it. Josh, who is the uh, who's the one
0: guy from the Senior Bowl that you've watched all week that is a can't miss guy that maybe nobody knows about? Oh, is the guy man, without Eddie? a hand? How, do you like the kid from uh, Hemholt State? the The Humble, Humboldt kid. Humboldt, yeah, the I, offensive lineman I, I that Mike Mayock like,
2: loves. He needs time. Like he need like he's clearly really raw, but I mean, it's not an athletic deal. Like it's not like he can't move his feet or anything like that. He just you can tell he's so clearly used to like when he'll meet a guy at the corner that oh I could just physically overwhelm this yeah. guy and I'm gonna throw him around and I I don't see like he just can't do that when he starts playing elite guys and he'll have to figure that out. But I think he's a good athlete. I think he can be a good player. The guy that I'm kind of in love with, and it's funny because two of Obo's best reps were against him yesterday, is the Tyrell Crosby kid from yeah. Oregon. I think he's unbelievably I mean like one of those guys I I don't want to say like Tyron Smith upside but he's got really really a lot of growth potential he could be a great player I don't know that there's been that guy this week though that has just screamed out like oh man he's he's from another world like uh, there hasn't been that guy that just grabbed me um
0: there's a the the offensive line group seems really good when you throw in the kid from uh Pitt yesterday that had a pretty good day no I was just saying the kid from Pitt had a really good day yesterday too it's a really good tackle group
2: it is it, I, like and it's it's not one of those deals where there's a bunch of top 10 guys, but like middle of the first round to probably start of the third, there's going to be a lot of NFL starters get drafted there and probably Orlando Brown will be one of those guys.
0: Definitely. It will be interesting. I'm trying to find the right emoji still. <laughs> maybe.
2: Oh, maybe just a check badly. mark.
0: Maybe just a check mark.
2: Let, let me just, I wanted to explain to everyone out a there, uh, of the world that is possibly upset with Josh's lack of engagement in the crimson corner and in content production lately. My video review of the state of Oklahoma is taking a monstrous amount of time there. I keep having to change the dates of the stamping within the, um, within the story so that I can actually hope to produce the story by the time that I'm putting all these in. Um, it's it's not good. It's taking forever. I will say though, the good news is 2019 it's kind of what we thought it was right. It doesn't look like a great group. 2020 in the state, I have found at least three guys that I would say that I'd never heard of when I was going into this that I think probably we'll be talking about as OU type guys. So I mean they are there is a some big time DBs uh andrew rame is not the only offensive lineman in the state that i like in that class there there are a lot of a lot of good skill guys that i keep finding so i mean it's it's 2020 could be another one of those classes that's really good now two years out there's always kind of that feeling like oh if this guy will do this and this guy will do that so you you don't know but i feel like there's a lot more accomplishment in these guys these are guys that are not like Oh, he's got one good clip. That's interesting. It's guys that oh well, he had seven interceptions last year. Okay, he's actually made some plays. So we'll see. But I think twenty twenty in state could kind of make up the difference for twenty nineteen, where OU may only sign one, two, or maybe even none guys from the state. It's interesting. Weird
1: that they still have a floppy drive emoji. Like people don't even know what floppy drives are.
2: Does Lincoln even know what a floppy drive is? I bet Lincoln Riley doesn't know what a floppy
1: drive is. I bet. I mean, I don't really. I bet he had to deal with a floppy drive early in his coaching career. I don't
0: think I've ever touched a floppy drive. I my
1: computer doesn't have a floppy drive
2: anymore. How old is Lincoln?
0: Thirty four. Am I
2: the the closest? Yeah, I'm the closest one to his age. Uh
0: yeah, I mean Uh. yeah, definitely.
2: So I mean, I I had some floppies in school, but like that—that's what's always so like. Laney, we were looking the other day. Not to get too off on a side on Laney, but yeah, everybody out there drink. We were looking at her elementary. (laughs) Every kid in their school is issued a computer. Like they get a computer from the school. How old? From the time they're in kindergarten. Why? I don't know. It's the craziest damn thing I've ever heard of. But what's amazing, I think back to when I was in elementary. We
0: should hack into all those and have them subscribe to Sooner Scoop or on the homepage. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> like, I'm I'll rich just set lady up know. and let her keep trading computers and all the, that's that. That's perfect. That's exactly <laughs> what I'll do. Um, no, so I think back to my Lake Park Lions, west side Oklahoma City. That, that's where I went to elementary. Lake Park, we had like a like a basement room that was set up and it had probably like 10 computers on each side of this long. It was just basically a hallway. And you could basically have enough room to slide a chair out, slide it back in. And we had, I think KFOR came out and did a story on how advanced our computer room was. And that's what it was in what, 90, about 1990, something like that. That was a big deal to have those, a bunch of, you know, probably Apple IIs, you know, nothing special at all. And now they're just issuing kindergartners, you know, uh, computers. It's amazing. It's crazy. Just crazy.
0: Technology talk brought to you by Soonerscoop.com.
2: Yeah, by the least technologically advanced of the trio. So, perfect. Concerned I drink too
1: much. I don't remember sending out half these most recent emojis. <laughs> there's the peanuts one.
0: I'm not much of an emoji guy.
1: I hate emojis. There's a bed. There's a steak. There's a world.
0: You know who doesn't like emojis but is uh, very good at basketball is Trey Young. I guess, can we fit in some basketball he talk at He doesn't ever
1: use emojis, does he? Except for hundreds.
0: Hundreds, yeah. Oklahoma, it was impressive. Big, big what performance on Monday night or Tuesday night. Eighty-five, eighty win over Kansas. So,
1: as someone was there, that was there. Best crowd in the last how many games or years? Even
0: probably a couple years. I will, I will say this. When I was talking to uh, Barry Trammell and Bob Billo before the game, the Trey Young hype, like just from a media standpoint. And from, from a ASPN. from a fan standpoint and everything that goes into it, uh-huh. it dwarfs anything that Buddy Heald had. Yeah, like I don't think it's e- there were that was the most packed I've ever seen a post game room. I bet there were. F- You're saying just
1: from the media standpoint. from a
0: media standpoint, yeah. I bet there were ten tripods. And Kansas brings. I mean, Kansas obviously yeah. they bring quite a bit of people and into town. It was a big game for them. It was a big game, but just from a from a hype standpoint. What we're going through now, I don't think, is any comparison to what Buddy Hield went through. Well, like, he's it's been much, made much into bigger. The,
1: he's been made. Buddy Hield was not the face of college basketball. He was right. one of them. Right. He I was guess a that's great what I'm getting. Story, at. Yeah. But you know, you had Ben Simmons still at LSU that everybody was talking about. Who else was really big that year? I mean, and, he, he was the. He ended up being the best player in college basketball that year. But you still, I mean, you still had teams that you like. You just don't have I mean Villanova as the number 1 team who who gives a shit.
0: Yeah. And It's Villanova. Yeah. And Duke's probably going to end up being there at the end, but you know, Kentucky, in that group.
1: Kentucky wasn't even ranked this week. Yeah. They probably will be now cuz they beat South Carolina, but
0: Until they get beat again on uh, Saturday by, by West, West Virginia. Virginia. Really it was this weekend that began the buddy hype when he went down to Baton Rouge and beat right. Ben yeah. Simmons. You're so Right. Uh you know, it's going to be interesting. I don't think Colin Sexton has played for Alabama. Uh, in the last couple games, uh, I don't know what his status is on. They did just Saturday. Beat, Was it Auburn that they just beat? Uh, the Who was Or Ole Miss or, uh, Auburn? Because Auburn won, uh, went to Missouri last night and won by eighteen. So,
1: but I mean, in in the last week, I think they've beaten. Maybe they did Auburn, beat Auburn as a on Saturday, team. or maybe it was Clemson. I can't remember.
0: I don't know. It would be interesting. Oklahoma goes down to Tuscaloosa on Saturday, though. Uh, the The Big Twelve race that looked to be looked to be very heated. And then over is back to being heated is again. Is anyone
1: happier about Monday's result more than the Big 12? Because Kansas was getting ready to just run away
0: with it. Yeah, they had a two-game lead.
1: Losing in Norman was one of the few chances they had to lose.
0: It's going to be interesting. Kansas has already a, won in Morgantown. Kansas has a big stretch coming up. They play in, man, I don't know who they play this How week.
1: How did Texas Tech beat them at home?
0: Uh, that was the night that we were coming back from L.A. They, I think Kansas went two for 13 from behind the arc in the second half, or two for 15. They didn't hit any threes. If Kansas doesn't shoot the ball, uh, well, I don't think this is a Kansas team that They're going
1: to have an off night. <laughs> I yeah. was
0: saying this a couple weeks ago, and then they had a two-game lead in the conference, but I don't think that this is a Kansas team that if they're not shooting the ball, well, they don't have enough guys that can take over a game.
1: I, I, I absolutely love two things that came out of that game. One was just the, and I told the guys this the other day on the radio drink, um, that have we become so soft that we think it's unfair that Lon Kruger did a hackabookie?
0: No, I, it was a genius move. The only people that are but, salty about it are Kansas basketball well, fans. Well, I think Bill Self was pissed off about it.
1: He should have taken him out. And I, I think he would
0: have taken him out. If it wasn't but it was January almost 20th, like he it would was, have taken him out. It
1: was almost like Bill Self got caught saying like I can't believe Lon Kruger is doing this to me and just couldn't react like he was stunned. Do you Cuz the whole story about him looking over at Lon while it was going on and Lon not and and, and Kevin laughing about it?
0: Do you see that like Lon Kruger asked Toby Rowland not to ask him about it? Really? Over the PA because he didn't want to embarrass Azubuki like wow. during his post game. Wow! And he does like the he comes back out and does right, the post game right, for all the fans. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Supposedly, I I just I saw somebody tweeted that I don't know how much validity is there, but it's something I could see Lon doing.
1: I mean, it was it was cutthroat. It was savage.
0: Yeah. And you, I thought you got to do what you got to do though. This it's that just was just because
1: it's in
2: college doesn't mean that you can't do that.
0: No, it was a big game too. I mean, he went
2: one for seven. I don't works. care if it's high school. I don't know why that matters. Like yeah. it, that's a part of the game. If you can't shoot free throws, you can be taken advantage of. If it's not Kansas or
1: people whining about it, though, I mean, people are pissed off. Kansas fans are pissed off at Bill Self. Uh, did you see the thing where the cops had to go to the <laughs> Naismith dorms? Yeah, that's
2: because the, best story the guy of kept the
1: showing up trying to give free free throw lessons to Kansas basketball players. You know what? I would. I just want to know what that guy looked like. Probably, I really want to know. It had to be an old man, right?
0: Uh no, I bet it's probably like somebody like a, in their sixties. Oh, I was thinking somebody probably in their forties that just is a loser. And like lives and dies Kansas basketball. Maybe has a ponytail. Probably talks about how great Kansas basketball is when you realize they really haven't been to many Final Fours. I know they've won a national title. Are we
1: sure it wasn't Rick Barry?
0: Yeah. Looking for looking for work.
1: Yeah. Trying to teach someone how to shoot granny shots. Scooter played there.
0: It couldn't have it couldn't have happened to a better program.
1: I mean it, it it was a bad look for Bill self.
0: You know what was a worse look besides keeping him in? How about you hit the boards? If you know they're if he's going to miss a free throw, why don't you try to get a rebound? Kansas just was fine with running back after they missed. I'm just glad that Matt Freeman
1: was useful for once. Yeah, that's it. That is true. <laughs> That's probably his he has uh, been biggest contribution. Really bad shooting the ball. That's
0: his biggest contribution to OU basketball right now is uh, four fouls and like, two and a half minutes, uh, or five fouls. The one was pretty bad, though. The moving screen.
1: Well, it, I, look, OU was in a free fall if they didn't win that game. Yeah, and it's not a stretch because of the schedule coming because they've got so many games on the road still left. I mean, they played at West Virginia and TCU. And that's it, right?
0: Uh, they got beat in Manhattan.
1: Oh, and it got beat in Manhattan. Yeah. So I mean, you still got Texas. You, well, Oklahoma State they got beat. No, oh, yeah. You still got Texas. You still got uh, Kansas. Yeah, they're still got Lubbock.
0: <laughs> big Twelve, you got to bring it every night. I mean, they 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 get a, a reprieve this weekend. Uh, everybody in the Big Twelve does stepping outside to play for the yeah. Big Twelve SEC Challenge. But uh, then they come back on Tuesday the thirtieth, play Baylor. Then at Texas on the third, and then a big Monday with West Virginia. Then at Iowa State, at Lubbock, Texas at home, in Lawrence on another big Monday, and then uh, K-State, Baylor, and Iowa State to round it out, and then you head to Kansas City. So, uh, Let me ask
1: you, if, if Trey Young goes back to Stillwater, like the next game is in Stillwater, does OU win that game by like 10 or 20?
0: I think OU wins. I think OU beats OSU seven times out of 10 in Stillwater. I mean, it took a pretty miraculous... Three to tie it up, send it to regulation, but it also took a pretty big comeback too. So, and
1: it took a Trey Young to kind of go into.
0: I think in the long run, it's going to be the best thing that's happened to him is losing those games in Manhattan. And I'm telling
1: you, it was amazing watching Trey Young against Kansas. The the to be a guy that scored 26 points on only nine field goal attempts, that kid's going to score no matter what. He he doesn't have to take a shot. He's still going to get you 15.
0: Yeah. Literally, he
1: is just, he's a scorer. I mean, it's, we got used to, I said this the other day, like we got used to, and it's a bad analogy, but it's the only one I can really make because we saw Kevin Durant play for so long. Kevin Durant could have a terrible game and still get 26. Yeah. Because he was a scorer. He'd get to the line, he'd get fouled. He found ways to get to the free throw line if a shot wasn't falling or he'd just drive to the bucket. It's just like he falls out of bed and he has 10 points already. That's, elite
0: elite scorer. That's kind of what Trey Young is. It, And it's been talked about nationally a lot throughout the last couple, you know, 48, 72 hours since the Kansas game, was the fact that he's coming off of his worst game as, a, as you know, the most scrutiny as a college player. And to make those in-week adjustments shows you. Uh, Tom Crean talked about it a lot during the broadcast on Tuesday night. Boy, he loves Brady Manick,
1: man. Does he? Oh, God. He had a man crush on him.
0: Brady Manick got a shout-out from El uh, Press, Dave Portnoy. I mean, that, I saw, that's the height. It was the, the Larry of, Bird comparison. Yeah, that's the height of, like, stardom, I think. In this day and age. Yeah.
2: Well, guys, I mean, you know, and I know we bagged on him, I think, just last week. But Jay Billis' comments about Trey Young, that's pretty – I mean, like, saying that the comparisons between Steph Curry are not only justified, but, you know – there is some very real reason to think they're accurate. That's crazy.
0: Is that what he said? I, yeah, I completely it, missed that.
2: He said turnovers and bad shots uh, included. Trey Young is an absolute savant. It is not unfair, unreasonable, or wrong to compare Young to a young Steph Curry because that is exactly what his game is like. And then he talked about how you know Devonte Graham checked him all night, and Graham. Went four for nineteen, you know, and one for nine for three, yeah. and Young put up numbers. So one, Graham fouled you know, that. Graham Graham's a really good as, player. As much so. as he held him from, from
1: shooting threes, he still fouled out of the game before it was over with.
2: Yep, yep. And That was, like I said, I mean, guys, I don't think we have any illusions. I, I watch basketball less than any of the three of us, but I mean, that dude. If you're not, if you're one of those OU fans that, oh, I just love OU football. You're missing out. Like he's just fun to watch, man. Some of the stuff he does is just incredible.
0: It's kind of the the golden the golden year of OU Athletics really.
2: And there's I, still there's still more for this team
1: to give because Cam Augusti did not play well in that game.
0: He I think it was good that he started knock down a couple jumpers against Kansas. They need him to come on.
1: There is there's a lineup in there. I mean, we we talk about lineups all the time with the Thunder, but there's a lineup that the Sooners have that could just be a killer down the stretch. Which is Manic, Trey Young, uh, Cameron Magusti, uh Jemani McNeese, and then throw whoever you want in there as that fifth guy. I mean, it could be
0: Doolittle if he... Doolittle really is
1: struggling to get back into he's it. still not...
0: It, it, it's there, but production-wise and box score-wise, it's not there. Like, he's there physically... He's but he yeah, just but like, he hasn't had that game, that breakout game yet.
1: When he's in traffic and he's trying to go yeah, up, yeah, he in the looks rim he looks stuff. rushed. Yeah, he doesn't look just, comfortable. He's he he's feeling his way still. So he's he's going to make them better and help them by the time the year's over. I
0: th- I think Christian James would probably be in that that lineup. Yeah, at the two, and then you play Manic at the three.
1: You play McGusty's kind of as a.
0: Uh, I guess McGusty three. I don't know. You'd have to play
1: Manic as the four.
0: I'd probably. I'd probably put Christian James out there before I put McGusty out there right now.
1: But, I mean, just a bunch of wings.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, they have some guys that can score the ball. There's no doubt about that. They need to stiffen up on defense a little bit. But they need for as, as much flack as the defense got against Kansas, I think Kansas scored one field goal in the last 419 of the game. So. But I guess it also helps when you're fouling them every possession. Tier. The hacking. of yeah. Buki.
1: All right. Well, moving forward, uh, Sooners back in good position. I think you can start like for look. If they lost to Kansas, you couldn't even really talk about Wichita versus Dallas at that point, uh, because I think they lost their ability to get seated in a pod. But now I think you can start thinking about that again.
0: Oh, I think if you're in the one through four, you're usually taking. Well, I'm saying
1: they're they're falling toward a five or heading in that direction. I don't think if they lost to Kansas.
0: No, I I don't think it was going to be close. Because you're still going to finish in the top. If you finish in the top four of the conference, you're going to be fine. And their RPI is good enough. They have they now have five wins over top ten teams. Is it five or four?
2: Four wins. Those four. Yeah. four. So, Everything's good. I'm not Yeah. I'm I'm it. A, a bunch of opportunities to do it, you know, to keep adding to that number. Oh, yeah. So. You have to go back through now.
1: All right. Uh, Josh, anything you want to add on recruiting moving forward? Other than go to Soonerscoop.com and subscribe now for... All the inside information. We haven't really talked about coaching stuff. I'll say right now a lot, of more, lot more smoke than fire on anything, whether it's Kale Gundy, Kerry uh, Cooks. Uh, I, I do think it's something to continue to keep an eye on, but uh, I'm not exactly. We didn't mention that Lincoln Riley did bring in a graduate assistant from ECU today, uh, just a graduate assi- He's going to replace Marcus Walker, who uh, is now out of the program. He's, he's spent all the time he could spend. Uh, As a graduate assistant at OU. So his time is gone. Uh, He's not even with the team this semester. So the guy that he hired from ECU. I don't have his name in front of me. Only saw earlier today. He'll be here immediately. So this semester. And help out with spring football. But uh, yeah. We'll just just stay connected. Crimson Corner. We'll let you know if anything kind of flares up on the coaching side of things. But uh, Josh, I mean... Uh, one thing we hadn't talked about before we get out of here it, it, it's really kind of bizarre to see Mike Stoops active on Twitter like more so than ever.
0: Yeah, you want to talk about Lincoln Riley retweeting me yesterday, Mike Stoops liked the tweet. That was o- Obo? Yeah. He has been active though. That's that's got to be
1: an intern, right? No, it's I, Mike told me it's him.
2: So, what what call I mean like he went from the, you know, the desert to he's now doing it constantly.
1: Something, something sparked it. I don't know what it was. I think
0: it's more of a just a. It's time for me to high Haters. Yeah, it's more of, yeah, just a, like, this is really stupid that I have to do this, but people are bitching about it. So I'm going to middle finger all of you and just do it.
2: Oh, I love the troll tweets. Those he knows,
0: beautiful. like
1: that it's been a thing with the fan base. Like he knows, it's it's kind of bugged the shit
2: out of him in the past. It's clearly yeah. bugged some people close to him too. Yeah,
1: and uh, I think it's just kind of one of those things. Like, okay, yeah, his wife killed thing. a guy this week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he actually killed a man.
1: She didn't kill a man. She Twitter killed. There was a, a ghost
0: man. asking questions at OU's press conference on Tuesday <laughs> after the game. I, I, I thought I was I couldn't believe it because I thought a man had been killed. And there he is asking questions.
1: He kind of gets killed a lot.
0: Dumbass questions at that.
1: All right. Uh, that's enough. Uh,
0: Eddie's going to get Eddie too triggered. Got to get out. Thank
1: you. No F bombs guys today. We did, it. We Woo! did it. Don't even I'm not
0: I'm not trying to
1: beg for one because I need to get. I don't need, I need to, to, I don't edit, even need to say one.
0: Up. I don't even need to say one.
1: All right, so OU taking on Alabama next. Uh, signing day coming up. Uh, Josh, real quick, any uh, official visits expected, or do you think that maybe they'll try and uh, cram, a, cram a guy or two in here before it's all said and done?
2: I think what you're going to see. I think this weekend's going to be quiet. I don't. I don't expect anybody. There was some conversation that Solomon Tulia Uh, There we go. That was actually my best run at it. Was going to come in this weekend. He had told me when I saw him at the Army game he was going to take that official. I'd heard later that day it was going to be this coming weekend. I think what's happened is Oklahoma just had to make some decisions on numbers. And I think with the offer to Braden Willis, the likelihood that he will end up as part of this class, I think Oklahoma just had to say that that's the spot we can give. You know, we want a Jomo. We want Thompson. We want Tank Jenkins. We need the help and the bodies up front. We're, we're going to let Solomon go, and now I think it's also weighted by the fact that all three of those guys I listed, OU has a realistic chance to land. I don't think they had a chance in hell of signing, signing Solomon, okay. so I think they not only cut ties because you know they needed the numbers to go to a tight end, H back, but also because he just he's going to USC, just like almost every other. Elite modern day guy.
1: All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the unofficial 40. Appreciate uh, Josh being a part of it as well as uh, Eddie Radosevich. And uh, we'll see you guys next week back here for another edition of the unofficial 40 as We get ready for uh, the final signing day of the year and then uh, start heading into spring football. Going to start previewing all that uh, here on the website as well. Soonerscoop.com. Go and sign up. Soonerscoop.com. Uh I promise you it's worth the 10 bucks a month, $100 a year. Uh, great staff now here. Bob Persbillow with us as well. Uh, so thanks everybody for listening, and we'll see you guys next time right back here on the unofficial 40.
0: Podcasts from Soonerscoop.com.